appreciate the, the opportunity that God has given all of us to come in His divine presence, to understand His wonderful plan for mankind. I want to talk this afternoon on the mystery of God. Now, most people think He's not a mystery or His plan is not a mystery, but the Bible plainly shows it is a mystery. It's been hidden until a certain period of time. And that's very important for us to understand as well. I think most of us probably do. You know, almost 6,000 years ago, God finished his physical creation with Adam and Eve. He'd already created the angels, the powerful angels out of spirit, angels like Gabriel and Lucifer, Micah, great powerful beings that aided God and helped God as well. Then God created uh, spirit or matter. He had to create matter. Then he brought into existence then the earth and the heavens out of matter. So it shows just how great God's mind is, how he plans and designs things. And almost when he creates something, it is perfect. Now, Adam and Eve had no choice about physical life. God gave it to them. Just like we didn't have any choice of what family we were born into, rich or poor, ignorant or whatever, we had no choice. Black or white, male or female, you had no choice. I had no choice. God called me. I didn't know why he was calling me. I had no choice. I wasn't seeking God. I was going about my own business. I was an athlete. That was my God. That's where I found pleasure. But it would only last after the game was over. If we won, it might last another day or two. If we lost, it was horrible that, at that present time. So as we sit here in this divine presence of God, man has needed a re- church since Adam and Eve. He's needed a church to attend, to be fed the right way of life, to understand God's plan of salvation, which has been hidden to mankind until the church came. Now today there are probably millions of people attending church all around the world have no concept at all why they were there. Some believe they're going to heaven. Some think they may go to hell. But they cannot explain there except mama brought me taught me to go to church. Now I feel obligated to go to church. And sometimes, brethren, we have that same attitude. I've got to go to church. So we ask the question, why? Why do we have to go to church? What do you go to church for? Some say fellowship. Is that why we go to church, the fellowship? Or do we go to church to be fed the right way of life until we're born into the family of God? That we have to be fed. Adam and Eve had a choice in the Garden of Eden. God had revealed to Adam something that Adam could not comprehend himself. Even though Adam had a wonderful mind, brilliant, he could name all the animals as they were brought to him. He named them all. But there are two things God had revealed to him. One was life and one was death. He could not of himself understand that. So the tree of life was revealed to Adam with character. Life with character 
tree of knowledge of good and evil is death. We're no character, a godly character. Jesus, who became our Savior, would have taught Adam and Eve about the life, how to attain it, build a character, because they didn't know how. They didn't know what it was all about. Just when I first started church, I didn't know what it was all about. I thought I knew. I thought I knew more than everybody else. And I found out I didn't know anything. The longer you are in the church, the less you know. Because we understand how great God is. Unless he reveals that to us, we cannot get it out of some book. Brethren, we cannot get it other way than... God revealing that to us through His Holy Spirit because it is invisible to us. As I mentioned several times, Councilman Rod and I have said, God's law is invisible. You can't see it. But you see the effect. You see the fruit of it. People who are frustrated, people who are complaining, they have to examine themselves and see if they're breaking this invisible law. And sometimes we just don't have that healthy fear of God. And I use this illustration. There's no way I would get up on this building and jump off or lean too far. Even when I fell the other night, I realized it hurts. So I'm not leaning too far because I don't want to fall. I fear it. The more you fear something, the more you avoid it. So God's law is given to us. Unless we fear God, the law will mean nothing to us at all. One great Nobel Prize person said, all nations are founded on law. And once you begin to lose respect for law, the citizens, it ends up in chaos, confusion, being overthrown in all the power. In the same way with God's church, you go back to the old days, when people started disobeying law. They lost respect for government. They lost respect for authority. What happened? Chaos, division. That's the way it works. God's law to us is invisible, but we have to believe what God says, and it takes faith on our part to put all that into practice. So if you're miserable this afternoon... You don't have to ask yourself, what law, what part of God's law am I breaking? What part is it? It has to be a broken law in our lives. So when we're counseling people, we try to help them to see, what are you doing? What do you need to do? Because there's a law that's been broken. And you take a family, it's governed by law. And once that law is responsible, broken or the respect is torn down for the authority, what happens? Divorce, chaos, confusion, because the law has been broken. God's church is a law-abiding church. And he gives that power to obey that law to those who want to do it. So this day pictures to us a day of power. When God poured out His Holy Spirit on the church. It was not a church of weakness. A bunch of effeminate men and women. Men strong with passion as we heard. 
very passionate. The job they had to do. They gave up their business. They gave up their homes and gave up their lives. Now, would we do that today, brethren? Are we filled with God's Spirit? Do we understand the power of that Spirit? It gives you everything you need. If you need it, God's Spirit and power produces that for us. It gives that that to us, and we understand that. So mankind, you see, needs a church. So he can be taught the way of life and live that way of life and be fed that way of life until he's born into the family of God. Now, that doesn't seem real. The flesh seems real. Going to bed seems real. Eating seems real to us because we can see it. But understanding the mystery of God is something, brethren, that we need to thank God for. And understand. Now, of all of God's creation, out of matter, only mankind has been given the opportunity for eternal life. No animals. Mankind has been given that opportunity. So Adam and Eve then failed that opportunity and cut off from God. They lost the knowledge. They reared the first juvenile delinquent. Not only that, but a whole generation of uh, juveniles until God had to destroy it. And God revealed to Noah, he had to reveal that to him. He didn't get out of a book what he was going to do. You build an ark. This is how I want you to build it. By revelation, Noah's faith put that into practice. His faith, his work began to do, doing what God had given him to do. So when God gives us understanding, it takes faith on our part to put into practice because we can't see the end result of anything because we want gratification just like that, just exactly like that. Well, when is God going to heal me? I want it now. See, I want everything now. Why don't you listen to me, God? We began to disrespect Authority. When Jesus says, all power is given to me over heaven and earth. All power. And he can give that power to whomsoever he will. And that church, we're the church of God. And he wants us to be fed the right way of life. So this day then is the third step in God's plan of salvation as we heard Mr. McNair. So we talked about that. Plan of salvation but it is a day of power, the day of the founding of the church, to be fed the right way of life until they're born into the family of God. And each church era has been given a job to do until Christ comes. And that is what is important. Now, I never realized why God called me until I came into the church. And Mr. Armstrong taught it. You are called not to get salvation. You're called not for that purpose, but be a co-worker with me in preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God to all the world. And the Philadelphia ear of the church has that open door to go to mankind. And God raised up Mr. Armstrong with power and zeal for that job. The Sardis church had died. 
And the Laodicean is on its way here because people have substituted physical things for God's spirit. Psychological panacea for God's spirit. Consequently, we began to see people today with less power, lifeless, no zeal, can't get up and go, probably as never before. So we're reaching that era when a voice has been raised up. Christ is coming. Be prepared to meet him. And we know that some don't have enough of God's spirit for the temptations of the last days. I don't think any of us understand where we stand until we're faced with that and understand that. Not long ago, we were given a sermon on knowledge, spiritual knowledge. You see, God has given all of us advanced knowledge, advanced knowledge of what's going to happen. What are we doing with that knowledge? Are we putting that knowledge into practice? Are we just going to wait and understand? Advanced knowledge. Prepare the windows, the house, the roof. The rain is coming. The storms are on the way. How many of us are going to stand, brethren? We hear people say, well, I go to church. I keep the Sabbath. I keep the holy days. Is that what it's all about? A lot of people do that. Is that what it's all about? Or do we have a job to do? What if we don't fulfill that job? And I think we understand the job, what we have to do. And we have to have zeal, drive like Christ did, as we heard about his health. How many of us will walk 100 miles to help somebody? How many of us would do that? No, we're spoiled. Cars, air-conditioned cars. I don't want to be, I'm comfort. Don't shake me out. You know, don't shake me out of my lethargy. I'm happy the way I am. And we really aren't. If we would be honest with ourselves, we're not. Now, maybe some are, maybe some aren't. But each one of us have that advanced knowledge of what's going to happen to the nations of this world. You have the knowledge of what's going to happen to the church of God. And we know what's going to happen. And nobody can stop it. Now, are you prepared for that? A lot of people aren't prepared for things. You know, a lot of people aren't prepared for their mate's death or their children or whatever. They're not prepared for that. And they tend to blame God for it. And yet, even though he says it's going to happen, we're not ready for it. And we tend to blame him for certain things and understand. I've heard people in my ministry, I don't understand. I obeyed God. I ate the food, you know, the right foods and this, this. And I'm always sick. <laughs> you know, we get a cold. And we're not at cold. Now, if we're not anointed, we can wait seven days and it goes. Or we can anoint and it's still seven days <laughs> It goes, it lasts about seven days in these situations. But sometimes we get a fingernail ache. We say, we got to be anointed for that. got to be anointed for this. got to be anointed for that. God says, when you're suffering, pray. When you're suffering, pray. And when you're sick, call for the elders of the church. Say, let them anoint you with oil. So he gives us the way out if we really believe it. With all of our being... 
if we believe it. So we're in an age of medicine, like the Laodicea, the church, uh, the Laodicea, age of medicine. Those things, comfort, that creates that kind of lethargy. And we can't help it. We really and truly can get fired up like Dr. Meredith over the same-sex marriages. Oh, well, I don't see how it hurts. It doesn't hurt me any. Young people say, oh, it doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt at all. Young people tend to follow the wrong example. People follow always the wrong example. The wrong music, the wrong dress, the wrong style. The world sets, Satan sets. Instead of the example of God. We all want to be accepted. We're all compromised apparently at times to be accepted. Are we ashamed to tell people who we are? That I am a son of the living God. The living God in heaven above. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed that Christ died for my sins. I want to shout that. That I don't have to die. He died for me. As long as he feeds me the right way of life, then I will be in the family of God. And the church is where that power is. Not out in the world, it's in the church. The power, founded with power, you know, the church was. In true understanding. That's why the church is so important. However, we have to have faith to put it into practice and believe it. If I were to ask you, recap Mr. McNair's sermon this morning, or the off-door message, did you really hear it? Or have you heard it before? Do we really hear, as we heard at one time in a sermon, do we hear those things where it sinks deeply into our hearts and minds? Hear those things. So we can be protected from what is coming. And we know that some people aren't going to change. They can put out a tornado, hurricane warning. Those who live on the beach try to ride it out. They don't want to leave their homes. They want to protect their homes. They drown. So being fed the way of life in the church of God is very important how to do the job that we've been called to do. It is a job. And God rewards us if we obey that job and do what he asks of us to do. But it's a mystery, see, to the world. They don't understand it. Churches of this world don't understand this mystery that's been hidden from the foundations of the earth when Adam and Eve sinned. They haven't known the purpose of man, why man, why God created man. They don't even know it's a God for sure. They think it is. They don't know who Christ is. They have this crazy picture of Christ. Now where do they get that? Well, they don't understand. I didn't, you didn't, until the church, until you were called to this revelation, to be taught, be revealed through the Spirit of God and understand the spiritual things of life. That we are about to step into eternity as spirit beings doing the same jobs of serving and giving and sharing 
with our neighbors, with the nations. That door's been open to us, the Philadelphia or the church. Open. And Mr. Armstrong started out with nothing. Got on radio with passion, with conviction, and sacrifices, and began to preach. What? The kingdom of God. That Christ is coming. Be watchful. He's raised up a voice to watch world conditions. Watch the church. Watch the church. And we've heard Mr. Arms say, even in his time, maybe only 50% or maybe only 10% understand why they are called. Not to get something, but learn to give something. And prove to God that you love mankind, as we heard this morning, just as much you love God. Just as much as you love God, you take the same love that God gives to you, and you love others and show others that you are a different person, that you are being created after the God kind. See, after the God kind, the first fruits, that you are becoming a God eventually, or a family of God, or a son of God, with power to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. We can't imagine how much power that is. The power of the universe. The power out there that holds it together. The power the church could have. It's there for us. You know, Christ is not powerless. He hasn't changed. He's still the God of the church. And he said, I have all power or authority over heaven and earth. All power. That he gives to us. So it's a mystery to the world. And a mystery is something that baffles or perplexes the mind. It's something that has to be revealed. You just can't figure it out. A mystery, you can't figure that out. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. Verse 11, well, verse 10, it says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries or the hidden truths of the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom from heaven. But to them it has not been given. It's a mystery to them but not a mystery to us. It's been revealed to us what the kingdom of God is, what it's going to do, how that we can be a part of it, a government on earth replacing Satan's government. We're learning government. We're learning to submit to government. That we're upright people, Christians with integrity, that we speak the truth and not afraid of the truth. So it's given to us to know the mysteries of the hidden truths. You know things, brethren, is a mystery to everybody else. And you can talk to anybody. You can talk to the governor. And he, you could ask him questions he cannot answer. Why it's a mystery to him. Why? Because 
he has not had his mind open. He doesn't have God's Spirit. And the more of God's Spirit we receive, the more we understand His way. You have to have the Spirit of God to understand spiritual things that really fulfill the human need. Every need you have can be fulfilled by the Spirit of God that you need. If we could only understand that and try to understand it as much as we can. Notice Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29. Verse 29. The secret things. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29. The secret things belong to the eternal our God. But those things which are revealed belongs to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words, see, of this law. Revealed to us for a purpose, for an understanding that we may do God's work or God's word or God's law and understand how important that invisible law is to us. We break it, it breaks us. You don't see the, you know, the gravity out there. You see the fruit of it. You see the wind. You, you don't see it, but you see the fruit of it. And when it begins to blowing hard, you tend to cover yourself or get in a house away from the limbs or whatever because you see the fruit. We cannot see God's law. You may put them on a plaque, but we're talking about something that's invisible that has to be revealed to the human mind, to the mind. So he understands what is, if we break that law, it's going to break us. I know when you're trying to counsel people, you try to help them to see. Well, you're breaking God's law. Well, I'm not. Well, good. What's wrong with you then? Why are you miserable? What, what is it? Well, it's my husband or my wife. My children keep me upset all the time. You see, human nature likes to blame people. I was telling somebody at lunch, I said, we cannot see ourselves as being evil. Ourselves as being evil. That's why Christ has to come into us and save us from what we are. We can't see ourselves. You can see others. You see the evil in others. You see faults in others, but you can't see your own faults. So Christ has to come into us and feed us the right way of life and help us to understand the way Satan works, who is the God of this world, who has mankind has founded the world. He's founded educational systems. He's founded the transportation system, but inspired by Satan. It's just chaos. You get out here in Charlotte, you risk your life just coming to work. Just chaos and confusion. Yeah, one street has five names. Two blocks of changes. Two blocks of changes. <laughs> Two blocks of changes. Complete confusion. And that's the way it works. Satan is confused, and he confuses those that he can rule as well and understand those things. 
Now let's turn to Romans chapter 16. Paul understood this mystery. And it's going to have to do with the Gentiles as well. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Get a minute here. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you, and that's Christ, isn't it? To establish you, According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. So it's been a secret to everybody. Even people have tried to guess the church. Why the church? Written about the church. They don't know. They're cut off from God. And they don't understand that mystery. Just like we didn't. We can read books all we want to, but it's still a mystery. Unless God reveals it to us, the spiritual way of life, he has to reveal that, and he does it through his ministry in his church. He gives them the power to live that life, the power to be happy of whatever they need. God gives them that power. In Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians 3, Paul is writing here to the church Ephesus. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you indeed had heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. That's why Paul was raised up. Given to me for you. To impart that knowledge that you are part of that mystery now. You're part, you're going to be a part of the church. You're going to be fed the right way of life until you are born into the family of God. You know how by revelation he made known to me the mystery. See, Paul didn't get that out of the Old Testament. It was revealed to him. Why? For a purpose, a job that he had to do. And he did it with passion and zeal. He loved the Gentiles. The Jews whipped him. They didn't want the Gentiles to be in part of that mystery. They didn't even know it themselves. I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. See, brethren, how that comes? It has to be revealed to us. God has to give it to us. The real understanding of spiritual things and what the Spirit of God is, the power it has that we can use if we understand it. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. See how important that gospel is that we preach it to people 
to get that message out. There is grace. There is mercy. God does love you, as we heard Mr. McNair say. He's no respect of persons. But to get the gospel out, we are called as a church to be co-workers with Mr. Armstrong to preach that message to the world. Now, if he had not have done that, I wouldn't be here today and you wouldn't be here today if he didn't have that passion, sacrificed, all of that to get to us the mystery that's been hidden from the world that God revealed it to him. Did he want it? No, he fought against it. And finally, he was convinced. You're the man for the job. I'll be with you until the end. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you until the end. Never. See how important that the church is. God will never forsake the church because we're learning more and more about the mystery of what God has. As he reveals it to us in this end time, it, I think he's going to reveal more and more to us. How to prepare ourselves if we want it. And ask him for it. Then he goes on, so which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. So a minister, brethren, unless he has the power, what good is he? All power is given to me over heaven and earth. Because someone wants to be a minister, it takes that power to understand it. Then he says, uh, working in of his power. Paul knew that. He knew of himself he couldn't do anything. He said, all the knowledge I've gained, I counted as dung for the knowledge of Christ. Power, the zeal, the passion to do what Christ wants us to do is to get the gospel of the kingdom of God to the world as a witness that Christ is the head of the church. He's head of the work. He's coming back. Coming back. Soon. But brethren, there's one group of church people aren't going to be prepared for that. They've substituted physical things for God's Holy Spirit. They're lacking in God's Spirit. And they don't have enough zeal. They're lazy. They're comfort. They like luxury. They love all of those things that are easy. God's way is a way of sacrifice. A way of giving up self for others. It's dying for others. Dying for others. Christ died for me. I've got to be willing to die for others. I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know if I'd have the power. I would have to wait and see. And hopefully I would have the power then to testify that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm not about to deny Him and what He's done for me and what He's going to do for me. That you may take my life, but you can't take the spiritual life. You may take the physical, but you can't take the spiritual. You might take my breath, but you can't take the spiritual. 
And the Bible plainly shows the Philadelphia of the church that no man take your crown. Is that possible? Sure it is. I've seen a lot of people give up the crown that others have taken it. Didn't agree with the church. Didn't agree with what we were teaching. That others come in. They did not have the passion to say no. To stand up. Now, it's easier to follow the crowd. It's easier to do, it's easy to do that. Follow the crowd. Well, which way are you going? That's the way I want to go. Brethren, I want to go the way Christ wants me to go, don't you? What good would it do if I just follow somebody? Just follow somebody unless they follow Christ. And we know that Christ is the same today. Yesterday and tomorrow, he never changes at all. He's still ahead of his body. He never changes that. He can replace something if he wants to. He never replaces that. Young people, let me just warn you, following a wrong example can get you in a whole lot of trouble. The wrong example, the feel-good things, it's only temporary It doesn't last. There's nothing physical that lasts. You become bored with it. That's why in marriage you have to keep it alive. You begin to get bored. You get used to each other. And we have to keep it alive. Burning. We get bored with the car. We get a new car. We shine it up. We change the oil. We keep it all up until we get bored then we don't care about it, like trade it in, get something else. Maybe that will make me happy. Now, that's not what makes anyone happy. No physical thing can make you happy to give you peace, what you need. You might like it for a little while, but it's not lasting at all uh, in those situations. Then to me, who am less than the least of all saints... See how Paul looked at himself? Not somebody great, somebody intellectual, somebody thought he's better than everybody else. God chose him. He knew what Paul was like. He was zealous. Whatever work he had to do, he was zealous. But here he was, probably one of the smartest men, and yet I am nothing, and wrote it for all of us to see. He pulled no punches. Sometimes we get a little knowledge, we get all puffed up like I know things that nobody else knows, you know, and all of this. And I want people to look up to me. I want people to do that. God is called a bunch of foot-washing ministers where you wash feet. That's about as low as you can get, isn't it? Just about as low. He called the lowest (laughs) to be the teachers in a way because we don't take credit for it. It's God. He said to me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery or the hidden truths which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. So it had come the time for the Gentiles then to be a part of the church. To be in the family of God. That's why there's neither Jew, Greek, 
male to female, we're all one in Christ. It doesn't matter what color skin we are at all. We're one in Christ. The mystery has been revealed to us without understanding. And when Christ said, or when they said, let this mind be in you, he didn't say, let this Anglo-Saxon mind be in you, or let this black mind be in you, the Filipino mind, or New Zealand mind be in you. He said, let the mind of Christ be in you. That mind, who's revealing the mystery to everyone, that we are to give ourselves to Christ in service, dedicating ourselves to help all mankind, as we heard this morning as well. That God is no respect to persons. It's how we treat each other. How are we people persons? Can we talk to people? Can we kid with people? Or do we have our guard up? They'll think bad of me, you know. Okay, people think I tell jokes. I do, but they're on me. See? On me. Why do you relax people? When people are relaxed, they learn more than when they're all uptight. They learn more. And when your child is relaxed, you can teach that child. But if they're uptight, they really don't hear what you're saying. Don't you think Christ was funny? Don't you think God ever laughs? You think He ever laughs? Sings? Dance? How do we picture God? Like us? That He's up here, I can't let down, they'll disrespect me, the angels now will disrespect me, I can't let down, I can't sing, you know, I can't do this, or I can't do that. How did Christ act when he was here? How did he act when the woman who committed adultery went in and started kissing his feet and drying his feet with her hair? How did he treat her? Get away from me, you whore. Is that the way he treated her? Absolutely not. You read how he treated the Pharisees, but when he treated others who needed help, what did he do? How did he do it? He was very compassionate. And when you have compassion, it moves you to do something. You have compassion, you want to help somebody. If you have compassion on your community, you want to help as much as you can because they don't have or don't know what you know. And they can see your light and they can see your example that it shines in a different way than they've ever seen before. It's a mystery to them. You've heard people say, I like you, but I don't like your religion. <laughs> that's, why, that's what makes you different is religion, isn't it? Obedience to God and His way of life. So that's why mankind needs a church. Let's turn back to, we'll turn to Matthew 16. Notice the confusion here. Verse 13 of Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, or the Son of Man am? 
So they said, well, some said you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. Well, they don't really know who you are. So he asked Peter the question, or asked his apostles, and he said, but whom, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, Christ had to be revealed. And he was absolutely sure. Now the Father had revealed who he was. And what did he say? I will build my church now. It's time for me to build the church. Before that time, he would say, Don't tell people who I am. Work a miracle. Don't, don't tell him I did it. Well, if he came to save everybody, why would he say that? Now was time. The church, you see, that he was going to have to die. He was going to have to die for the church. He'd be the builder of it. And he did build the church. Why? To be fed the right way of life. And those who, tru- who truly choose the tree of life choose character. Christ is the educator. He is the teacher of that character that we have to have God's spirit to build it. And that's why he said, you need the church. You need to know who I am. Are you going to accept me as your teacher? As the one who can help you to be in the family of God. So when we're baptized, that's exactly what we say. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, my Lord and Master, soon coming King. But do we mean it? Or do we understand at that time why you're put in the church? Not because your friends may be in it, but why? Has the Father revealed to you who Christ is? You wouldn't know Him unless the Father revealed Him to you. They were having questions about Him back then. You go to any group today and they don't know who he is. Long hair, this or that, sweet, wouldn't hurt anybody. Never raised his voice to anybody. They don't know who he is. No one does unless the Father reveals. And they come to Christ for what reason? To be taught the way of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to me except the Father. Because they don't know who he is. And I believe we've had church members who never did know who he was. Did not understand that he was life, the truth. And you just don't go to church to socialize. You go to be fed the right way of life because, number one, Christ is the life giver. He is the truth. His church is going to hear the truth and be taught the truth. So that's what he was talking about here. Before I knew the truth, I didn't know who Christ was. I just went to the Baptist church and seeing when we all get to heaven. I had no idea who it was, just always sweet Jesus. Won't you come to Jesus? Come on down here to Jesus. He's waiting for you. And they sing until you tremble. Somebody's here is under conviction. Come on to Jesus. Well, I know who he was. I didn't even know what he looked like except that picture they had of him. 
So when I started hearing the truth about Jesus in the radio church of God, I almost got offended because I never heard that before. That he was a man's man. He was a fighter. He did not tolerate sin. Go and sin no more is what he would say. Don't sin anymore. Now what do we say? Can we say the same thing? God forgives you, go and sin no more. You learn the way of life, go and sin no more. Or practice sin. In those situations. Notice uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Matthew 28, 18. <clears throat> I'm going to have to hurry up. I'm going to finish this by 5 o'clock. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You see where his authority is? Heaven and earth. But who has authority in eternity? The Father. All authority has been given to him, heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always. Now, what all did he teach the apostles? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the Savior. I died for your sins. I am resurrected. I sit at the right hand of the Father. I make intercessions for you. I extend, you ask, and it's given. He tells us how to reach the Father. We don't know how, but He tells us how and what to do. In the Scriptures, John chapter 6, John 6. Verse 53. I'm in Luke. John 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. And that's what he was telling them. Now that is a hard saying, isn't it? If you never heard that before, and you were following Jesus, and that's what he was teaching. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh, drinks my blood, abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. Say, he who feeds on me will live because of me. And that's what Dr. Meredith tells us about the living word here. You live by it. That's Christ. You eat it. It's spirit and it's truth, you see. And that's what saves us in the end. Uprightness, integrity, truth. Tell the truth. And Jesus here is pointing this up to the people there. No one 
can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Sometimes even our kids may have, but they've got to be called. As many as God calls, you see, people have to be called. They just cannot join the church because of the parents. They've got to be called, and the Father has to reveal who Christ is and what His church is all about, the job that has been given to do. So he said, I live because the Father, so he was, who feeds on me, lives because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your father ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Life, but they're spiritual. They have to be revealed. It's a spiritual life. Not a physical life, a spiritual life. And the words that Christ spoke said are spirit and life. He is the educator. He feeds us the spirit and truth until we're ready to be born into the family of God. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? See, they were following him. When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained, said, does this offend you? What if you should see the Son of Man ascend from the, where he was before? Then he said uh, again, the words I speak are spirit in their life. Six, verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were. Now how did he know that? See, How did he know that? Well, nobody can come to him and understand him except by the Father. Now, did the Father draw those people or they were following him because they liked his miracles? They liked what he was doing? It was good to see these miracles. People followed Jesus for different reasons. Well, I'm hungry. He'll feed us. Are the miracles? Nobody ever seen anything like that before. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained, he said, and he goes on back here, let me read here, verse 65, and he said, therefore I have said to you that no man can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Okay, they were following him, but he knew they weren't uh, being sent by the Father. From that time of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then this important question was asked. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where do we go then? We leave here, where do we go? For the words of eternal life. 
If he's head the church, where do we go? People don't understand that. If Christ has the words of eternal life, why leave him? If you want to live in the kingdom of God, he is the life. He is the truth. He will feed us spiritual food until we're ready to be born in the family of God. I mean, where do people go? Well, they start their own groups then. Where do they get that authority? He said, all authority is given to me. Does he give that authority? If he has the words of eternal life, Peter said, well, where do we go, Lord? Who else has it? Eternal life. So if we believe we're in the right place to be fed the right way of life, if we leave, where do we go? Think about it. Then we begin to take the knowledge of good and evil. Make our own decisions. Becoming rich, increased with goods. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I know what's right. I know what's right. I've got this little technical question. Church is wrong on that. Church is wrong, but does the church still have the words of eternal life? That's a big picture, isn't it? Where do you go then for eternal life? Who's going to resurrect you? Who is the resurrection? Who is our hope? Well, it's Jesus Christ of our hope going into glory. He has to live in us going into glory, as Paul points out and understand. But, brethren, there's a reason, I believe, why people today are spiritually empty. Just really empty. Looking for something physical to satisfy them. Something physical. People are more spiritually empty, lifeless, lacking in power than ever before. It was mentioned in the sermon ad about when we first started the church, back in, people were on fire. They had passion. On fire, you see. We were driving 240 miles of services. 240 miles of picnics, 240 miles every Wednesday night, every Wednesday night, the spokesman club. Couldn't wait to get there. You'd get off work at 3 o'clock, you start running to your car, you start changing clothes, and you get there right 30 minutes before it starts. Get back at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now you see, spokesman club is just about 10, 15 feet away. Church is just about, what, 30 minutes away. Well, I'd rather listen to it on the radio. That way I can relax. See, the comfort, the sacrifice, is not that we have to do it, but we've lost something. We've lost things. And I think you all know that if you've been to church a long time. I know Dr. Jamon knows. He can tell you. The life, the zeal, talking about God with passion. You know, I go to Dr. Mon and we talk about God. I go to Peter Nathan and we preach to each other. And I go to others, we, we preach to each other. I go to Don Davis, I correct him. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, the passion for the work 
and for God stirs you up and makes you appreciate what you do have. You have a church you can go to and you can serve with dignity and honor and God will bless you. Let's turn to Matthew, I mean Romans chapter 13. You know, I looked there and saw Mrs. McNair. She used to take all those kids and the services. and I, I believe they had to drive more than 10 miles, if so I'm not mistaken. Or maybe more than 15 miles, if so I'm not mistaken. The ministers had to get 25 visits a week. You know how hard that is? Catch 25 people at home. And you'd call them and said, I'm in your neighborhood. Could I come by? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on by. Come on by. Come in. What have I done? I said, I'm just trying to get a visit. I just passed by the shopping center and waved hello to people and wrote down their good attitude. (laughs) But people had that drive to accomplish something. Now, if we hadn't had people like Mr. McNair, his brother, and other men who would come and visit and teach us, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be here today. They had drive about them. They wanted to accomplish something, to get that word to others, to be better disciples, to support the work that would support them, that would make their job easier. It takes sacrifice for God. That's what he said. We're living, living sacrifice. So Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God, you need to read it really. Just understand what he's saying here. Now may the God of a hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, according to your faith, that you may abound in hope by the power of what? The Holy Spirit. You see, that takes care of anybody's needs. I mean, you fill with joy and hope. You don't think about other things to fulfill your need, do you? God does it free. And yet we spend things that really and truly don't accomplish what we want. There's nothing like peace. People take tranquilizers. They try everything to find peace. And it's not there in the power of God's Holy Spirit. The power of peace. And it talks about, may the God of your hope... Okay, our hope is in God, Christ, our resurrection. Fill you with all joy and peace in your faith that you may be outflowing with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It just comes out of you. They know you're at peace. They know you're not easily agitated or hateful. That you're kind. You're at peace. Why? Because God has given that to you through His Holy Spirit. Now you can't find that in the flesh. See, the more you fulfill that power 
of God, the less you think about your flesh of adultery or drunkenness or gluttony, whatever the flesh is. That gives you the power over it. You don't think about it. You have peace and joy. Through the power of the Holy Spirit is what this day represents. A day of power. The founding of the church. The beginning of a new creation. And a resurrection of that creation. It's not a day of weakness. Brethren, we don't have to be weak. We can be strong in faith and joy and peace in love and goodness, the fruit of God's Holy Spirit. So notice what it says here. Filled, filled with what? With all joy and peace. By what? Power. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now turn to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. And it happened, verse 1, while, out of, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, he knew something was missing in their life. He knew something was missing. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? He said, well, we never heard about the Holy Spirit. They won't know, well, why were you baptized? So they said to him, we have not so much heard the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, and to what then were you baptized? What were you baptized into? See, a person has to be baptized into something. We either are baptized into the death of Christ which settles the sins he paid, he's resurrected to save us, to give us eternal life, help us to feed on that. So he said, we were baptized into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptized uh, of repentance. So sometimes we ask, well, what do you want to be baptized for? I want to be a part of the church. They never understand that they have to die in the baptismal tank. That their life has to be given to Christ. It's his life. He bought it. They were baptized into something, but not what they thought. You know, the first trial, the temptation comes along, then then people tend to, to leave because they don't understand. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that the people that should believe on him, who would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ, that he is the Savior of the world. He will lead you to eternal life. He will take you, feed you, until you're born into the family of God. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or by his authority. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now all the men were about believed. Who believed was 12. There were 12 of them. Who really and truly believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
He is the tree of life. He has the knowledge. He is the Savior. He's the one who resurrects us. We've got to believe that with all of our being. That we'll never give up the words of eternal life. If we do, all that's out there for us is eternal death. The tree of life, or the tree of knowledge, has been revealed to us. It's not to make anybody feel bad, but to understand that the New Testament church was founded with great power and conviction and love, sharing and giving and working together, men selling things and bringing them to the apostles to distribute. So busy they had to get some people to help them, called deacons. And they had to be run out of Jerusalem by persecution or they'd still be there. So persecution came on. The church had to flee to Pella. They took the message up to Pella. And they were being persecuted. They kept moving with that message. That persecution didn't stop them. But they were happy the way they were until God then allowed that persecution to come on the church to make them move. Sometimes sometimes maybe that's why we're persecuted, so we move, you know, and do what God wants us to do. So that power is what is so important to all of us, that we can drink it in, pour it out, drink it in, but you have to desire it. The mystery of God, His plan for all mankind, the power that it takes to change a human being after the human being chooses to be changed. He can't do it without our consent. We have to want to be changed. We have to want to be like Christ. We have to want the tree of life. We have to desire that with all of our being. And it's worth praying for, fasting about. Brethren, believe me, and I'm not a young chick anymore. I don't mean chick, rooster. <laughs> but believe me, there's nothing replaces God's Holy Spirit. There's no substitute, no physical substitute that brings happiness and joy or peace. Even people with billions of dollars are not happy. President Nixon said when he didn't have money, that's all he wanted, money. After he got money, he wanted power. Never satisfied. He had to resign in disgrace. People can't get enough money. They can't get enough of the flesh. They want more and more and more until they're destroyed. Going after that way of life. Instead of the life, the tree of life. That God said we could eat of. With character. Godly character. We can't build character without God's Holy Spirit. God is perfect character. He's the only one can build that in us. Perfect. Perfection. God is perfect in His creation. But every created is perfect. Because it's truth. Anyway, that's, uh, that's what we really need to concentrate on. And remember... Mr. Armstrong, the ministers have said to come out of this world, you've got to have more of God's Spirit. You can't do it without it. It takes that kind of power to come out from under Satan's power, influence.
We all want to follow the wrong example. It's easier to please people than God. So we know that time is short. And God has not revealed to us that he's going to, how much he's going to cut short. But he did say he left each church era a work. Warned them not to go to sleep. He warned the Sardis church what would happen to them. He was warning his advanced knowledge what's going to happen. You're going to die. The way you're going, you're going to die. He warned the Philadelphia church because you have not denied my authority, kept my word, kept my word, then I will keep you. The Laodicean church did not have the remnant of the Philadelphia, did not have enough of God's spirit, did not have enough to be prepared for the when Christ came to marry the church. So what did he do? He said, well, they still God's church, but they'd have to be cast into the tribulation period. And then they would have to prove themselves. That's a horrible place to prove yourself in that type of situation. But it doesn't mean they can't be born into the family of God. But they had other interests than what God wanted. The luxury, the physical things. See, the physical things substituted then for God's power, which never works. So let's keep that in mind as we go on, realizing that we do have a job to do and and we will finish that job that God has given us to do. And when we finish, you'll say, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter you into the joy of life. Won't that be wonderful words to hear? A whole lot better than I never knew you. <laughs> that would be hard to hear. That would be tough. So I know that's where we're going. That's why this day is the day of power. Where the mystery is revealed. That the Gentiles are called and eventually the whole world will be called into God's peace, understanding, and happiness if they choose.